To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Hello? Hey, man. What's going on? Hey, Jay. What's up, man? You ready to talk movies? I'm ready to talk movies. Let's do it. Welcome to the Fear and Their podcast, a star-crossed podcast where two long-distance best friends try to keep the horror alive. My name is Jay, <laughs> and I'm calling in from New York City. <laughs> this is this is Zachary. I'm calling in from Columbus, and uh, uh, it's good to be with you, Johnny Carson. <laughs> <laughs> was I putting on a good late-night voice? I liked it. I liked it. It was yeah. very, yeah, it was very show business. Great. Well, Zach, I am so excited to talk about our movie this week. It is Gretel and Hansel. Every time I say it in my head, I want to say Hansel and Gretel because that's the actual mm. fairy tale name. But mm-hmm. Gretel and Hansel, the uh, it is a very new release. Just came out last week, um, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. But first, Zach, I have just one uh, very important question for you. Ooh, all right, hit me. Is it safe to trust someone? Who appears exactly when you need them. No. <laughs> great, 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 great. <laughs> and that's uh, the episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, awesome. So before we hop in, um, instead of uh, normally, you know, we start these episodes by asking what the other one has been watching recently um but i think this time what fascinated me about this movie was its rating uh it looked like a pretty dark and gruesome movie um but it's only rated pg-13 so zach i gotta ask you uh what are your thoughts on pg-13 horror do you have any past favorites did you think of any that like do you think the pg-13 takes away from the concept of horror yeah uh, great question i loved it I, i love it um well, so I feel like PG-13 horror is a little bit like doing clean stand-up comedy in a way. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's um it doesn't necessarily need to detract. It doesn't it doesn't really do anything other than set I feel like a um a kind of a creative constriction on on the mode, on on the you know, on 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 the uh, on the film at hand say. Like, are you are I mean, you suggesting know. like in in a self-imposed creative restriction you're saying that it's like a choice well, yeah. that the director made? Well, I I do think that that often is the case. Uh, although to say that it's the director's choice as opposed to the studio's choice is probably uh, mm-hmm. hopeful. Uh, but um <laughs> but, you know, I mean uh, like seeing a stand-up comic who says, "Okay, I'm not going to tell any disgusting jokes, I'm not going to curse." You kind of I think I think you immediately realize how much of a good stand-up set actually relies on joke construction as opposed to like, you know, just saying the F word over and over again. So like I feel like with horror, um giving yourself some uh restrictions, like creative restrictions, even if they're forced on you, can actually lead to some really good results. So I, I I've been thinking I was thinking about this question when you when you warned me that you were gonna ask it. 
um sorry to kill the dream folks um but um <laughs> i wanted you uh, to be, i wanted you to be researched a little bit well yeah i, I figured you did um so I, I looked i looked up you know i had to kind of jog my memory because the truth is that when i think back about the films that i watch i don't remember their ratings like i, I have no idea what what things are rated anymore it hasn't that stopped being relevant when i turned 18 and honestly it was irrelevant even earlier than that so mm-hmm. i came up with i came up with three movies and then a fourth as a kind of caveat uh the three movies are uh, that i that i really love very much uh, and that are pg-13 horror films are the others uh drag me to hell which you introduced me to and uh sixth sense all three of those are terrific films i think wait ho- hold on so I have to ask: Is Drag Me to Hell actually PG thirteen? Uh, I I did look it up, but now I'm, but now you're now you're causing doubt. So I'm actually well. That's a Raimi movie, right? And that it's I feel like there's projectile blood vomit. Maybe there is, but but you know to get a that's totally within the realm of PG thirteen. The only thing that's not it would be like a like a naked boob that would or, that would make or it like R. two fucks. Yes, exactly. Two one is fine, but two is you know. Two is way over the top. Yeah, two fucks is not good. It is, uh, yeah, confirmed, PG-13. Wow, okay, all right. So I'm going to have you pick one of those and just tell me, just give me a brief, uh, did you like it? Like, tell me what you liked about it, rather. Okay, so I will actually, so the fourth film that was a kind of tack on Mm -hmm. sort of caveat is actually a movie that I watched last week for the first time in my life. And I think this is going to scandalize you, but I watched The Ring for the first time in my life last uh, week. That was the movie I was going to discuss. Yes. So, well, good. Maybe we can have a mini mini discussion about it together because a podcast I, uh, within a podcast. Podcast within a podcast. Exactly. I, some of the scariest horror movies are the ones that break the fourth wall. I don't see why a podcast can't do the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think in The Ring, she literally breaks the fourth <laughs> wall by climbing out <laughs> of the does. fucking TV. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. So I actually can't believe it took me this long to watch this movie. It was not uh, – I was completely traumatized in the ninth grade when my Japanese teacher in high school made us watch Ringu, and it ruined my life, my adolescence. Dude, what? Yeah. Yeah, in class. You watched yeah. Ringu in high school? Like, yeah, in class. In class? <laughs> yes. What a weird-ass cra- She was a crazy, crazy person. It was an awful class. I learned zero Japanese that year. <laughs> Dude. Okay, so did you want to talk? I, I actually would like to also talk about the others, but I think can maybe we pause the others because yeah. I, I might want to nominate that down the road for a, oh. you know, a, a rewatch because That'd be that, great. Yep. that's one of my favorite films of all time, period. Oh, oh, I love um, it. All right, good. Perfect. So, but the ring for me is, I think the 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 quintessential example of this. Um, I mean, you kind of have a more modern example in A Quiet Place, which obviously mm. was like a smash success. Um, but the ring, scare for scare. Now, I, I you know I don't know. I haven't watched the ring in a long time. I, this was a movie that you know you'd go to with your friends in like I, I was in middle school when it came out to date me, um, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> And, you know, we would go to, we would go watch it at the movie. We would go to the movies to see it. And then, like, we would all pull that prank. We would all, like, call each other on our cell phones <laughs> and say seven days. Oh, um, man. So it's like I have this sort of nostalgic fear of it because it's a, you oh, know, a very scary movie. Um, but oh, I we think. We were different kids. We were yeah. very different children. 
Um, but I think it is, it is, you know, you can't deny its sort of place in the parlance of horror. Um, oh, yeah. Just like, I, I, we were just coming off, like, I don't know, just a bad period of horror in the 90s that was all all kind of like teeny bopper right, so, sort right. of over the top things and ring you know kind of brought us back to supernatural a little bit um and obviously the j horror thing in that period of time then, right right you know became a sensation of american remakes but um so what do you think about what do you think about the ring uh i liked it i um i thought so in my mind, I was so scared of this movie for so long that, like, since 2002, I remember very clearly seeing the previews for it on cable, you know, on cable TV, and, and like, having nightmares just from just from the commercials, which was, which was a common occurrence for me as a kid, um, <laughs> that, like, I couldn't, I could hardly watch TV in case they were showing a preview for the latest Scream iteration, which, of course, I didn't realize was a funny, fun, brilliant satire until I was an adult. But anyway. But also um, ve- also very scary. I think Scream very scary. is very sure. scary, yeah. But The Ring, you know, I, I had huge expectations for it. I expected it. I, obviously, I'm an adult now. I'm not scared of horror movies in the way that I used to be. Uh, I kind of wish I was in some senses. Um, but I, I was. I thought it was going to be a better film. <laughs> I did. I thought it was going... Given, given its place in the canon, I yeah. was expecting... I was expecting a masterpiece, and instead, I was just pretty entertained for an hour and a half. I, uh, I, I, I think, think to me, the more the movie tried to explain itself, the the more kind of neutered it got. Like I loved the first forty five minutes of it, but then as the mystery unfolded, I was like, this it just gets to me. It got kind of stupider and stupider. What about what about you? Uh, I, I guess I mean, you haven't like, seen I, it in a long time. I yeah. haven't seen it. You know, I, I think I probably watched it four or five years ago because you know okay. I'm, a horror, I'm a horror guy, right? So right, right. You're horrible. It's true. Yeah. Um. So I I think that your your review is kind of spot on, but I also think that that's a type of, um, you know, you know that that's that's an okay place for a movie like that to live. I, I don't think it sure, has sure, to be. Sure. True. As you as you say, a masterpiece. And if you're entertained the whole time, um, it's right. definitely it wasn't stupid. It wasn't in the tall grass. It wasn't. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, yeah. at, fa- at face value, and it is interesting the sort of terror that they were able to get out of a PG thirteen rating. Yes, um, exactly. And I think your your point about the um, to to kind of sort of send this section into wrap up. I think your point about the the comedian. Tell, you know choosing to tell clean jokes is uh is pretty apt because when you're in horror i kind of just assume everything is r or everything is inappropriate right. because right. we're so desensitized like when things like torture porn get put in the same category as a quiet place you're kind of mm. like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. that 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 exists so it's like what ends up happening is like you said it's more novel for a stand-up comedian yes. to go up there and not curse, it's right, more right. novel for a horror film to choose to restrain itself on the gore. Right, and and, and horror films. I mean, horror loves restraint. I mean, we are off. We are so often watching movies that have these almost uh, these like totally artificial parameters. Like, I mean, how many movies have we seen that take place? you know, entirely within one house in the woods, you know, like that's like a perfect example of like, you know, 
and sometimes it's tremendous. Sometimes the results, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, I feel like I saw a pretty, oh, Hush, that movie Hush, that was a pretty good film that we watched that, that was like, you know, entirely within the confines of a small house and it uses that restraint uh, right. to a great purpose. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a good point. I usually when horror goes restraint, it's it's kind of high concept. It's like, what if this whole movie was took place underwater? Like, right, <laughs> and, right, then, right. and then and <laughs> then it's high concept, yeah. <laughs> and it, I, I mean, and I think and I think that that's that's kind of all art is 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 better served if you don't give yourself the whole playing field. And so, right. um, it's interesting. I don't know that any director, or I don't know that we could ever confirm that any director chose. PG thirteen mm. as an artistic constraint, but it right. is a, it is a good point that you have to write with that in mind. You have to shoot with that in mind. Obviously, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like to a certain to a certain point, if you're telling a certain story and you can't um, and you and you can't fix in post everything, if right. if if, right. if you're right. trying to tell a certain story. So, um, I was really interested to see. I, at first, I was a little disappointed to see that this movie was PG thirteen because uh, Gretel and Hansel. Um, I believe the full title uh, or the the tagline was a grim fairy tale, um, which obviously is a play on Grimm's fairy tales. Um, uh-huh. And when I saw that, and then I saw PG thirteen, I was like, oh, so they're not gonna give me right. like really, really like aggressively scary, aggressively gross stuff in this movie. So I first I was right. disappointed, and then. Um, it actually ended up netting out that I didn't even really think about the rating after the movie started. No, of so, course. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, it's a good point. Um, yes. So the movie we are discussing uh, this week, Gretel and Hansel, released in 2020, just mm-hmm. mere weeks ago. Uh, mere weeks. Directed by Oz Perkins, officially Osgood Perkins, I learned at the credit roll. Yeah, what um, a name. Yeah, and starring Sophia Lillis, which I couldn't place at the time, but ah, but you figured it more, out, didn't you? Yep, looking more closely, she is of it fame, um, and Sharp Objects. Yep, I have not seen Sharp Objects, which is on my list. Oh, um, you'll like it. But, you'll like it. Yep, and uh, yeah. So in lieu of uh, so just just to give you the IMDb synopsis. A long time ago, in a distant fairy tale countryside, <laughs> a young girl leads her little brother into a dark wood in desperate search of food and work, only to stumble upon a nexus of terrifying evil. So, <clears throat> this is obviously well trod, well trodden territory, uh, mm-hmm. pun, pun intended, because they're you know, on on off the beaten path in this. <laughs> um, that was a stretch of a pun. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, everybody um, loves an explained joke. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why this is funny. Laugh. Um, <laughs> Please laugh. So, so, yeah, and this movie I was very excited for because Oz Perkins he directed a movie that a film that I think you and I both really liked, albeit we didn't feel like it stuck the landing. But uh, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house uh, is a Netflix slow burn ghost story. Um, do you remember that film, Zach? You know, uh, after I saw, after I saw Gretel and Hansel and I was refreshing myself on the work he had done, I could not for the life of me remember that film. Like I, I, I thought about it very hard. (laughs) I could not for the life of me remember it. And I still can't. I really, like I have, um, I have very like a vague 
kind of after image that it left in my mind. I remember the Black Coat's uh, daughter pretty well. Yeah, that was uh, the other one I was going to bring up because I feel like that's kind of on you. That's your that's your game. That well, those are the only. I mean, this is only his third film. Um, those are the we just named his other two. I, he's got he's got another film coming up. Um, I think. Actually, maybe I I'm not sure. Anyway, um, yeah. But the pretty thing that lives in the house, I remember it having. I remember it had to do with the writer. Uh, but but I don't know. I, I have no memory of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has he has a movie coming called A Head Full of Ghosts. But it seems ah. like he he's uh, he's been an actor prior to his stint as a writer director oh. or a producer director. He um, he was an actor in a lot of things. He was in Legally Blonde. <laughs> was he really i didn't yeah, know <laughs> apparently, yeah um so that's that's interesting um so i think uh before we put up the spoiler wall and actually get into our uh review of the film uh just gotta ask zach binary mm-hmm. would you recommend this horror film uh to a particular kind of person yeah i definitely would mm-hmm. um should i explain should i like should i go on <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, if you can give like a little tease, like a taster, this is like, do you, I mean, did you like it? Yeah. Did you have a good time? I, yeah, I don't want to say too much right now. I want to, I want to wait until the spoiler wall is up and get into it. But I, surprisingly, surprising to me, given that this is a, this was a January release, you know, this was a film that I, I like I had never heard of. I didn't know it was on the radar until you told me about it. And then two minutes later, it had, was out. And I, I don't even know if it's still in theaters like a week later. Like, it's, I, this movie got completely dumped. Anyway, with all those things in mind, I, I totally liked it. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 like, completely enjoyed myself. I was, st- I was like, very pleasantly surprised by the artistry of it, by the production of it. I, um, I would recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who, you know, who's, like, who's like who goes to a horror movie to watch people die in, in disgusting ways you know it's this is a very slow directionless in some ways mm-hmm. film in which kind of nothing happens and i really liked it i thought it was well done kind of nothing happens and kind of also everything happens yeah 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 it's yeah. it's like it's 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 far from a perfect movie and we'll definitely talk about it but but i would totally recommend it i just probably wouldn't recommend it to like in some ways, it felt a bit like a uh, graduate level horror movie. Not not to say that no, it was very I see complicated. What you're yeah, it, it, it's more atmospheric than kind of a mainstream horror film. Yeah, yeah, it was it was formalist. It was concerned mm-hmm. with style over substance in some ways. But yeah. I, you know, that works Great. for me. I like that. So, you know. uh, well, I'm so happy that you liked it because I really, really loved mm. this movie, and I would wow. vehemently recommend it to almost anyone. And I think your caveat, 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 your <laughs> Yours is well taken. I don't think I would recommend it only for a specific person, but rather I would recommend you go into it with a specific expectation. Sure, 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 um, sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's key. You need to not expect that this is going to be a fast-paced, mind-blowing, twist-and-turny, right. and also really not that, like, it's not as terrifying as I usually want my horror movies, you know? That's right. Yeah, it, right. Like, we keep coming back to this restraint thing, and I... And I, I, I'll, I'll talk more about that after, you know, once we start spoiling things. But I love this movie, and I totally recommend it. Great, um, cool. So let's, uh, let's put up that spoiler wall. It's gonna go up right now. Uh, and there it is. So, uh, Zach, mm, Jay. So I have 
bulleted out three topics that I would like Ooh. to very briefly discuss with the movie, but I wanted to Oof. stick you on the on the uh, the hot seat first. Um, okay. Because I think you might say some similar things to me, and I'll interject, but um, give me some. Uh, so so uh, I don't know. I don't know how you want to. If you want to freeform this, if you if you have some specific thoughts you want to say, just the floor is yours, sir. Mm, okay, sure. Well, I um. There are two things that I liked immediately about this movie. Um, so I can I'll mention those and see if anything uh, resonates with you. Um, the first is how Perkins sets this film. Like the 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 tagline, you know, the IMDb summary that you just read says, uh, you know, a distant fairy tale countryside. Uh, it doesn't like, – oh, sorry. It says a long time ago in a distant fairy tale countryside. There are – this movie is riddled with anachronisms. Uh, everything from the architecture of the witch's house to the color palette to the construction materials to things like the bedclothes in the witch's uh, – you know, in the, in the guest room where the kids are sleeping. Not, no part of this movie seems to actually take place at any particular time. And I or thought it, that was – Or things don't hmm. seem like they belong. Sure, sure. Okay, sure. I, yeah, I think that's right. More, more accurately, right? The the anachronism doesn't seem like it's very intentional. It reminded me uh, of one of my favorite bits from one of my favorite movies, It Follows. How It Follows has technology, you know, like e-readers in it that that, that don't make any sense for a movie that that ostensibly mm-hmm. takes place in the '80s, and that that serves to really like. Uh, kind of like uh, disassociate you know there's a kind of disassociation with them with that comes along with it so i loved mm-hmm. i loved that that i love that the film uh, traffics in that kind of a temporality or a historical a historicity um that's that's so interesting i think you hit on something that i didn't even consciously think about but you feel kind of lost sort of mm-hmm. like hansel and gretel are traditionally in the story you feel kind yes. of lost you aren't sure what the whole what the point of almost anything in this universe is that weird kind of like uh teenage girl sex trafficking house that they go to seems totally out of place totally um, out of place right the weird mm-hmm. windows but i think the thing that got me the most um was the fact that everyone was speaking in a very very like treacly british accent right and right and Han- hansel and gretel were like american right. kids like what how does that make any sense what the hell are they doing there um totally. and so yeah that's a really great point and i think it sets like a really really like kind of spooky unnerving tone for the whole thing right right and, and the script is it's like that kind of high diction old english like you were saying that would be uh that's much closer to something like from, you know, a Robert Eggers film, you know, like The Witch yep. in particular, yep. which I think this movie shares a lot with. Um, it's but, a fairy tale uh, version of The Witch to me. It, right, right, exactly. Um, <laughs> with with a kind of a kind of a feminist um, uh, a slant, a refraction, I guess, of something that's that's not typically uh, woman centric. Um, but you're right. I think the script is is very off putting. It's strange, and the and the words don't they, they don't feel right coming out of the actors' mouths most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the interlude at the beginning when they when they meet that that I guess he's a knight or something. This the 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 nice person, the nice guy, yeah, who houses them for the night, and he speaks to them so frankly. And I mean, no part of that seemed even remotely realistic. And and the film by throwing that at you so early in the film, the film is telling you. 
that this isn't a movie that has anything to do with realism and it doesn't even take place on a planet that you're familiar with, even though everything looks a bit human. Much like a fairy tale. Mm, indeed, indeed. I yeah. think, and I think that that kind of my first point is I love their, you know, Perkins's kind of unabashed commitment to the fairy tale thing. Mm-hmm. And so it starts with like a kind of ridiculous exposition at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like really absurd, um, very clearly someone reading from a quickly written fairy tale. <laughs> right. Like like the story of this evil girl and this witch, like nothing makes sense in that depiction at the beginning. So you're already like, is this movie yes. going to be dumb? Like, <laughs> and then... right. And then it, it, the rest of the movie ends up being a blown out version of that first part, and it's all so fairy tale esque. Right. And it's and it's interesting that you mentioned the lines because I, as I was in the theater, I was that guy who had my phone out jotting down some lines. And sure. I just your point on anachronism and that sort of highfalutin f- fairy tale language. It wasn't really as garbled as the witch. It was a much more. Yes. It was so clean. Yeah. Yes, you could hear the writing. In this mm, movie. That's right. That's right. Um, that's right. And so wh- I I jotted down a couple of lines, and and some of them are like you say, but then some of them are modern idioms. So for example, oh yeah, I'm so glad you did this. Yeah, what? I'm I'm yeah, very curious so, to hear. So you have again, I didn't write down the most poetic things, but there were so there was a line when she was at the at the the whorehouse with the guy was like, "You would do well to limit the number of words that come out of your mouth." Mm, right, and, which is a terrifying line. Uh, oh my god! The the next thing that I jotted down was nothing is given without something else being taken away. The next mm. line I open this podcast with is it safe to trust someone who appears yes. exactly when you need them? Uh, the next one's ridiculous. Is that there? Question mark. If it isn't, neither are we. Oh, and that's so, right. That's right. And so that's when they stumble of, across her the the witch's house, right? Yes, yes. And so this is where you. You get to a point where you're like, okay, this is this, these are nursery rhymes. These, these are truisms and parable type language that you hear in children's books, and right. Um, right. it's darker, and the implications are much more terrifying. But that's what they are. But then there were a couple of lines that the witch said. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I forget what she was talking about, but she literally says, "Another one bites the dust." <laughs> Does she at really? One point. Yeah, and then she, and another time she says nothing to sneeze at, and so <laughs> I again I I don't know the I like your deliveries very much though. Well, so, nothing so to sneeze at. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what the origin of those two phrases are. Um, obviously another one bites I mean, the dust is is very clearly associated with Queen. So, so it's like. I it just again it's it it comes back to these deliveries were much more modern than the sort of parable right. like exposition that that um that Gretel was saying at various right. times. So I I think it's just another thing that's like what is actually happening here? No, I that's right. And I think just to just to to double down on your point, I mean take take that line another one bites the dust as our uh as our like example par excellence because that that line, like you said, I mean, obviously it predates the Queen song. They didn't they didn't of coin course, that of phrase. Course, of but course. but but you're in a writing room, or, or more realistically, you're lonely and sad and writing this film by yourself on your desk at nighttime somewhere, um, and you 
You put that line in knowing full well what the cultural implication is and knowing that nine out of ten people who are sitting in the audience in the movie theater are going to hear that phrase and think of the Queen song or at the very least think of contemporary uh, Western culture. Uh, so you do it on Go purpose, ahead. right? You you either do it on purpose or you're a terrible writer. And since this movie is pretty well written, you do it on purpose. So it, I think it's it's interesting just to think about the intention behind a decision like that. And I suppose, I mean, we were already kind of touching about it with the anachronisms. I, I suppose the intention is to destabilize you, you know, to make the film. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In, in, a, in a parallel universe, kind of exist in a parallel universe. Mm -hmm. And I think it was expert, expertly done. I, I think your connection to It Follows is perfect. Um, I just Googled Another One Bites the Dust to see the origins. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, again, I think Another One Bites the Dust is not, like that phrase, as it appears, is not the old phrase, but the concept of bites the dust, you know, that was in... in Book in I think it's like they they associate it with uh, they attribute it to some Scottish book in the 1700s or something, so like the bite the dust idiom you're you're right it's pretty old but um, but still but I mean it's been completely co opted by by you know contemporary yeah. culture we know it yes as a modern thing I mean people use that phrase in conversation and it was coined in the 1700s so that kind of tells you what you need to know yeah right great that's a great ending to this uh, <laughs> so. My next point is kind of a quick one. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, there are a thousand ways we can slice and dice this movie, and it sounds like maybe you want to talk a little bit about the production uh, design based on what you're mm -hmm. saying or, or, or just sort of the tone of the movie. Um, and so I, I want to tee you up by saying one thing that I really liked was how the sound design of it really, mm. really kind of set the stage in a way that I thought was impressive. So uh, to go back to the beginning of the movie, there was a point that, that I thought it was going to be really stupid, partially because that exposition was so on the nose and so obvious, right. but also the effects that they used, like that when, when the baby was, you know, getting consumed by that dark thing and it was like this weird black snake blob coming out of its mouth and it looked really dumb. Yes. Yes, was, it looked yes, yes. Why did it look so dumb? Yeah. It looked it looked <laughs> yes. it looks like a made for TV movie. I thought it was the only oh effect yes. misstep in the thing the whole thing. And so um I wonder if it was intentional because it was so off tone from the rest of the movie. I yeah. I would have actually forgotten about it if you hadn't mm -hmm. just brought it up, but I remember having the same feeling like, oh, this is gonna be really, really bad. Yeah. And then so so there are parts throughout the movie that are a little over the top, the designs of everything and whatever, but I thought that he leaned into some sound design aspects that really mm. cued you into some 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 stuff that I think again, it's we're gonna keep going back to this dichotomy of stuff that doesn't fit. Sure. Um so for example, when they first enter the house and it's full of all this delicious food, right? And you everybody knows the Hansel and Gretel story. Right. Um and it, you know, if you don't like Every version of the story involves the witch luring the children with candy or sweets, you know, or something. Right. So, um, <clears throat> so when they get in there, but I didn't catch this at first, but every single time that they're at the table, I noted uh, like at least two or three of the times that they're at the table eating the food, y they put mosquito and fly sounds swirling around the back oh. of the surround sound. And... Ob really? Obviously, if the payoff of it, if you know what the payoff of this movie sure, is, which I guess sure. I guess we can spoil it. It's it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. <laughs> the, 
the the witch has been luring children back to this house for years and years and years um and the witch is actually the mother of the girl in the fairy tale at the beginning the cursed child right right um but she's been luring these children back to this house and um and basically murdering them saving their body parts and using her witch magic to turn the body parts into delicious looking dishes that lure more children back so what or, they're or what, i actually think well we when we see it just to just to maybe alter that a little bit she's not actually turning the food into delicious she's not turning their you know their viscera into delicious food they're she's rearranging it to look like delicious food and then casting yes. some sort of spell on the house to make the kids think it's delicious food. But it's very much right. just like rearranging an organ so it looks like, you know, pate or something like that. Right. It, it's actually very, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. That, that yes. like, that big, exp- that big moment where we, that big reveal is so perfectly done and so terrifying um, and so disgusting. Um, and so... But it, I, the whole point of that is those mosquito noises are meant to signify that they're actually eating rotting flesh and right. and, and uh, old organs, organ meat of children, and it's very dark. Um, so even though you see these delicious blueberry pie looking things and like this big meat pie, and you see all these all these treats, they the sound design is sort of cueing you into this isn't this isn't the most fresh thing that you can be eating <laughs> right um, and then and then the other example i noted of the sound design was um when he's sharpening the axes um which is also terrifying in a way that it probably shouldn't be terrifying like it's this little right. like eight eight year old sharpening these horrifying like tree saws um and <laughs> When he's scraping it, you hear the regular noise of him scraping the saw, but then you hear this reverb trail that alternates back and forth, right, left, right, left, right, left, and it's like the it, it's signifying that maybe maybe he's starting to like succumb to the spell of the mm. house, and <clears throat> he's becoming as dis- disoriented as well, the other children came, and as kind of you are as the viewer. And so I thought the sound design, while it's a little obvious, a little on the nose. I think sure. horror is known for those yeah, sorts uh, of sound right. effects. I thought it was used to really great effect to, to sort of reinstill my confidence that Oz, Ozzy Oz here was uh, <laughs> was good. What what was he had his eyes on the prize and he he wasn't kind of going overboard like at the beginning. Um, uh, I, I think that's awesome. I'm so glad that you brought up those examples because I I tend not to be very focused on sound design when I'm watching a movie unless it really stands out to me. And it seems like the sound design in this film, just based on your descriptions, uh, was actually designed to not stand out and was designed to work with work on you subconsciously. I mean, the the idea that there were mosquito or fly buzzing sounds while the kids are eating, you know, the cornucopia at the cornucopia, the feast, uh, is great to me because I have no I have no recollection of that of that uh, of that noise that sound. Uh, but of course, it was clearly working on me. You know, you get the sense. I mean, obviously, we're as adults who are familiar with stories. We know that they shouldn't; those kids probably shouldn't trust that food. Like, I mean, Pan's yeah. Labyrinth to me is like the pinnacle right, right. of that stuff. But, um, yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I'm curious. This is definitely a movie that I'm going to rewatch at some point in my life. Probably not soon, but at some point. And I'm I'm curious to see if I uh, I notice that stuff next time. Well, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll probably be listening for it. But anyway, gotcha. Uh, did you have any any thoughts on the production aspect of it? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I to me that was the most you know kind of the winningest to the most winning part of the film. I um, 
I thought so. So I, I want to say his name. I want, I'd like for us to get in the habit of, of using names more uh, when we can. But to the uh, the DP, the director of photography, a guy named Galo Olivares. Olivares. Uh, he's not a particularly well known cinematographer, but he uh, actually worked with Alfonso Cuaron and did a lot of the shooting on Roma. So it's not like this really? guy came. Yes, but you won't find Roma under his credits. You have to kind of dig for it. It's a bit strange, actually, if you. If you do a little bit of digging, you find that he he may have been uncredited unfairly on on Roma mm-hmm. on the set of Roma. But anyway, I was very impressed with the way that this movie was shot. Uh, I wish that it had been shot on film. I felt like the movie could have used uh, a kind of grittiness, but that's a small gripe. I uh, I was particularly taken with it. I, I thought that the shots were great. I thought there was a lot of really really good framing. Um, I thought there was a lot of strange fo- close-up shots, of particularly of uh, of of Gretel, uh, that are like medium close-up shots, where you could kind of you're just looking into her face and you're getting you know you're like this the 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 screen I saw in you know in one of these ridiculous AMC reclinomatic theaters where the screen is incredible, um, you know you're, you're like swimming in the freckles on this on this terrified girl's face and you're like drowning in her terrified eyes and it was it was quite an experience um i thought i thought it was shot Wait, really well did you say you you saw it in imax no but i saw it in an amc theater that had that was like an absolutely massive screen uh, you it know, was one of the big one of the big boys yeah it was a much more it was a much higher quality screen than i'm used to i tend not to shell out money to see movies that are amc yeah. theaters i i i gotta be honest i i i'm i'm excited that you you saw it at a big screen because that must have been very disorienting because the yes choice of camera i don't know if it's a lens or if they did it in post-production but there was a very like kind of tilt shift right thing going on where you could own the only thing that was in focus was like the center circle yes exactly exactly of the shot which i don't know what like if they use like a like a really spherical lens or something or if if he you know blurred stuff out in post but i thought that that was super interesting to like get hyper focused um, it's something that could have gone really poorly, like really film student, like look at this cool thing That's that right. I did. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, exactly. But it, but it worked. It worked in this film. Um, and 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 with the production just at large, I mean, other than other than the way that it was shot, I I thought the architecture of the film, like like the literal architecture of the film, was very interesting. I really really liked. The witch's house. I found that the kind of like modernism that her house, like like her, she she was essentially living in like a modernist house, uh, with the way that it was painted in that black and 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 the construction material. The um, do you, was, do you mean on the inside or the outside? Well, on the outside, the exterior of the house. That's how I felt. But the inside, the room, the room that that Gretel winds, you know, finds her way to. Uh, that's you know hidden behind the uh, the like clapboard fake wall in the back of the pantry where the witch does her I don't know roasting of children and her spells and all that shit. I loved that set. I absolutely loved it. It reminded me of shit that I had dreamed about. It reminded me of David Lynch in a really great way with that massive oh, flowing yeah. curtain in the back. I love the I love that it was a brick. It was a huge huge like cubist room 
with an extremely tall ceiling, like way taller than the than the the house that it's in, right? So that's part of what's so disassociating about it. Uh, and the brick of the the walls are are painted white. Um, the massive hanging curtain at the back and fire pit. I don't know. I, there was a starkness to it, a kind of dreamlike architecture to that room that I like. I could have lived in that room. I wanted that, more of that room. I thought it was so it, cool. Oh, I don't think you could have lived in that room. That's a horrifying. <laughs> well, there was room. no bathroom. You're right. There's no bathroom. True. Um, that's. I love that room too. I loved it so oh. much. Um, I. I think that. What is interesting about that? I, I I took that room to not be in the house, but below the house. Okay. Um, so I I think you know at the beginning of the movie it shows children walking down like a into a hole in the ground, and I sort of saw yes. that being where they were going. Uh, um, oh. So, okay. So, um, but oh, yeah, that I love that room. Obviously, that's where the big final climax, big final showdown goes down. And I thought that that was like weirdly, it felt kind of like a 90s action movie. You know, she <laughs> yes. was like, yes, she was tied. It was sort of like James Bond. She was like tied up and she, yes. like, by the skin of her teeth, she had to like make it out alive. And so there <laughs> like was the something laser about, is about to cut through her testicles or something. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. And there's just something about that that also didn't fit the movie. Like, why would this witch? <laughs> why would this witch just be focused on the kid and not like, like why was she a bond villain all of a sudden? And, <laughs> right. and I think like, but I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, so we're singing a lot of praise on the movie. Um, yeah. but you said, you said it wasn't a perfect movie. So I'm curious, can you speak for a couple minutes on what you didn't like? Yeah, sure. Um, I, it's a, it's a, it, I found that this film was, it felt hastily put together to me. Uh, I know that it's not true, of course. That's just a function of the way that I read the film. But, like, uh, this movie essentially just has three principal characters. And I, and I felt like the beginning of the film, the first 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes until uh, Gretel and Hansel make it to the witch's house is just kind of a needless little road story uh, where they encounter different people. And, like, I I assume the idea is to give you a sense of what the world is really like. Um, But I don't buy it exactly. I found found those characters, you know, the the kind of brave knight and the the really insidious old pervert, like, to be, like, very, very stock and kind of... Taking up screen time that, yeah. that, that, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. I like, like, there's a bunch of that kind of thing in the film. I, I, it wasn't a well, it wasn't a completely fleshed out movie. It, it needed more substance. It, um, we didn't spend enough time with these characters. We didn't get to know them well enough. Um, I, I didn't entirely buy the, uh, attempt at a feminist retelling of this grim brother's fairy tale. I thought the feminist angle fell short. Like, like the notion that, you know, this is a young woman who has a witch's power inside of her, a power that should be nourished, and that she should, you know, abandon her brother, abandon her family, and just become this all-powerful person. Like, like I, I thought that The Witch, that movie, The Witch by Eggers, handled that a little bit better but ultimately, these are yeah. two films about young women that are written by men and shot by men, and sometimes that can work. Like there are definitely examples of times that that can work. Uh, I didn't think this was one of them. 
Um, I just I didn't yeah. I didn't buy like the heroic feminist quality of the film. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Go no, ahead. no, 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 no. Keep going, keep going. No, I, I just just to fi- just to finish the thought. Um, I, ultimately, to me, and this is a really reductive way of summing it up, but it still feels true to me. Ultimately, I found this to be an extremely high quality movie for entertainment purposes, but it wasn't a film that made me a smarter viewer or made me like a more productive member of society. It didn't make mm-hmm. me think mm-hmm. at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I didn't. I'm not like a better consumer of art because of this movie. I'm just somebody who was entertained really, really nicely for about an hour and a half. Sure. Yeah, and I, I think you kind of hold your movies to higher standards. We've talked about that before, um, so <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. I think you that is. You 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 just helped me realize something that I didn't that I realized I didn't that didn't connect super well for me. I thought the ending was really beautiful mm. that she kind of like co opted the magic for herself. Yes, um, <coughs> just I mean ju- just to kind of like briefly synopsize that end. The witch basically tells her toward the end of the movie in the third act, "Hey, you're a, you have the powers I have. Here, watch. You can make this broomstick levitate mm-hmm. and all these things." And then she uses that power to kill the witch, save her brother, and you think they're going to go off happily, but instead sure. she realizes that she needs to do more good and she needs to find herself even further. Um, and so she sends her brother somewhere. I don't actually know. I guess back to his house to live his life. I, um, I, yeah, I'm not sure either. It's confusing where he goes. That was a sort of a strange ending. Um, but I thought I agree with you. I think I was like, oh, that's a nice ending, but I wasn't like, wow. Look at <laughs> right. that ending. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was, it, he came like two notches shy because I think you're right. I don't think we spent enough time getting to know Gretel, getting to right. know, you know, e- even just this, this old, like, the witch was is a tragic story. The, yes. The, the, like, I, she I was know, fascinating. I think, yes. And, and, and she, she could have been the him. fact that she she was the mother of the this daughter. Like, who is the daughter? Where's the daughter? I don't think we ever got that. Right, the, right. Gr- the girl in the pink hat. I don't know if we ever got that answer. Maybe I right. missed it. No, um, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't we, know. Maybe we aren't meant to, but I think you're right. There was a lack of depth in some of those things that actually made you invest less in Gretel. Um, yes, yes, yes. And I think if you were more invested in her, you would have, uh, I guess, been more excited at the end. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think that was a great. That's a great point. This is a piece of art that um, it's beautiful well-crafted and i think right. the way that i i felt about it is you're really able to sink into this world and just despite my effort like my only other point i wanted to make is despite the fact that i was i i was conscious that i was watching a movie the whole time and i was conscious that i was listening to mm. like script yes. written dialogue yes yeah, and i was yeah. conscious of all these points which usually takes me out of it but this movie has lasting power in a way yeah that i was not i didn't understand like it wasn't super jumpy and scary like i like my horror movies sometimes right, right. It, w- it wasn't you know the most intelligent thing but it was it was beautiful and i just think like by the end i was like that was a wonderful movie yeah like i, I don't really agree. <laughs> so and and i think the lasting power is 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 the reason that i felt so favorably about this movie and it, and it seems like this is a very strange horror movie, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it like this is a unique entry into the parlance. It's not as yes. weird as something like In Fabric, right? But it's right, right. But it's not as like it's also not as like perfect as something like Hereditary. 
Um, right, right. And it's also not as mainstream as something like The Ring. So I... Yeah, I don't know. I your your point about to a specific person. I don't know who this movie's for if it's not for everyone because it's kind of like it lives in this world that kind of like yeah, you know, you know, it lures you in like the witch. (laughs) Like it really does. It tricks you to liking into liking it. It it absolutely does because it cut. It starts as we as we talked about earlier. I mean, the first the first five minutes of this movie are actually kind of bad. So it really does lure you in. Lure you in. Um. I just feel I, I, I'm. I think there's a story behind why this movie got dumped at the tail end of January with no fanfare and um, a marketing budget that I don't think that I never saw any results from. Like I, I didn't see a preview for this movie or read about it or you know wasn't on mm. the trade publications that I read sometimes. Like I, so I don't. I wonder something happened. I don't know. Maybe maybe it wound up being a weirder movie than. I don't know. The studio is Orion Pictures, which is a good studio. I would think that they would be sympathetic, but maybe it wound up being, uh, I don't know, more stranger than they were they were hoping for. Right. Maybe not grounded enough in reality. Maybe it's, it's almost like if Pan's Labyrinth didn't have the payoffs that it had. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth is like sort of a fantasy roller coaster in this in a very similar way. Right. That's true. That's um, true. Well, great. Did you have anything else you wanted to add before we jump into our closing ratings and everything? No, let's do the let's do the ratings. I'm 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 excited to hear what you have to say. Um, great. Well, as the host, I don't have to say until you do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, all right, all right. I'll go first. I mean, unless you want me to, if you want to flip this on its head, this can be an anachronism in our episode. <laughs> all right, you go first then. Great. Um, well, so our two ratings is our loyal listeners know uh our first rating is is just the fear factor just how scary is it we rate it zero to five sheeps uh to signify the amount of sheep that you need to count before you're able to fall asleep um i think the couple of really scary moments in the film the first one was when the that their actual birth mom who's like really struggling and is kind of the Mm. the the, felt like the most honest adult in the movie Yes. You know, right. um, she was like, you guys need to leave. I can't, I, I'm going to die of starvation. You guys have to go find food. Like, and, right, she was, right, right. and it felt selfish, but it also felt merciful. Um, and then she goes off frame and then comes back and slams the ax on the table and screams to try to scare <laughs> the son yes, off. Yes, right. That scared the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and the weird zombie creature that gets up from the bed. I think you you mentioned a couple of things that you were like, oh, these characters didn't pan out. I'm sure they're references to the original Grimm Man, fairy maybe tale. so. Right, right. Um, so I, I don't think it was particularly scary. My sheep rating is probably about a two. It's definitely more than some other ones. It definitely yeah. was very, very creepy and very atmospheric in, in that kind of way. So it's a two sheep for me. What about you? Um. Two sheep, same exact thing. Um, I saw this movie, like I said, I saw this movie on a massive screen. I was one of three people in the theater, which is in some ways even scarier than watching it by yourself at home because I didn't see another person in the theater. They were both sitting behind me. And um, dude, there were there were five people in my theater too. Crazy. Yeah, I know it's crazy, and and that actually that actually is a little terrifying, especially when the screen is, you know. If, Four stories yeah. tall, and I, like, I was like the screen, screen immersed. Swallow me up. Exactly, like. exactly. So I was totally immersed in it, and I was, and I found that to be very like I enjoyed that. It was freaky. And then I was the first one home. So when I walked, when I walked in, the house was dark, and no one was home, and and it, the movie was still with me. So I give mm. it two. 
yeah. and you had a cat stalking you in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, she's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um. Great. Well, and so I think my star rating, and so our next rating is just pure quality. How much did we enjoy the film? Because mm-hmm. as you know, horror movies don't just have to be scary. Um. And I think this is turning into like an ever-present divide. I used to think that my love of horror movies were, you know, began and end with how scary they are. Right, right, um, right, right. And I'm learning more and more that that is not the case. Um, so this movie, I, I'm going to give this movie a four and a half out of five. Whoa, um, wow. I really loved this movie, and I think a big part of it was how much of a bait and switch it was, how low my expectations were. Right. Um, it's a you know it's a PG thirteen movie. the The reviews are right down the middle of the road. The first five minutes were so ridiculous, yep. and just like you weren't prepared for what they were going to give you in the first five minutes. And so I really was like, kind of where you were. I'm like, oh okay, so this is going to be a ridiculously bad movie. And then as I'm going through, it slowly won me over, won me over until at the end that that like I said that face off at the end, I was like mm-hmm. fucking pumped. I was yep. so. Like, I was so in it. I was like, get that broomstick, choke her to death. Like, I was, it, it was just like, I don't know. It was one of those movies that snuck up on me, but I, I, I really loved it. What about that's you? That's great. Um, three and a half stars out of five. I, and that's like, that's great for me. <laughs> that's really, um, mm-hmm. yeah. that's like, I, I went into this movie thinking it would be a two star movie. And it was almost twice as good as my expectations and or, you know, I don't know. That's a ridiculous metric. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but um, uh, I I mean, yeah, three and a half stars for a horror movie uh, like this, Uh, especially because then I went back and I looked at what I rated uh, uh, Oz Oz Perkins's other films. And I gave I gave the thing in the house. I gave both the thing in the house or whatever it is. I am the thing in the house. I don't know what the hell that movie's called. And um and uh, the Black Coat's daughter, I gave those both three stars, and I liked this movie more. So, I mean, look, that's a good trajectory for me. Maybe his next one will be a four star. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I think the the closing point there is I really respect what he does. I think he has a really good eye, and I yeah, think he's consistent. I and consistent right there. That that's what it is. I think he's so honest with himself about what he, what kind of movie he wants to make because this movie could not be any different than the Pretty Thing that Lives in the House. They're ah, so different. Yes. Um, and so, but he just does it, you know, he, it doesn't seem like he's trying to do something that he doesn't want to do. Right. Um, right, right, And I've seen, I've seen so many of these horror, horror movies based on fairy tales because fairy tales are kind of like, kind of fucked up these like old German fairy tales. Um, and so I've seen so many of those. So I was kind of expecting this to be a campy, like Johnny Depp in Sleepy Hollow kind of a thing. Um, and it just wasn't, it was so tonally it had such good self-awareness of what tone it needed to be. Um, and it kind of stuck with it. And right. I think whether it was effective or not, whether it had plot holes, whether, you know, there were things that didn't pay off. I don't think that ultimately mattered because it was, it was what it was and it did not stray mm-hmm. from that. So yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, well, right. great. I think, I think that brings us there, man. Thank you for, uh, thank you for chatting with me. I, uh, I feel like you helped me arrive at what I actually thought about this movie. <laughs> well, I'm glad to do it. I appreciate your hosting duties. Masterfully done, my friend. Masterfully. Mm-hmm. Um, well, great. We'll uh, we'll circle up and uh, get ready for next week. But until right. then, th- thank you, listener. 
parenthesis S, parenthesis. <laughs> Thank you so much, man or woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later, man. All right. Good night. Night, Jack. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. University of Maryland Global Campus has been serving the military in Maryland and around the world for more than 70 years and online for over 20 years. UMGC offers more than 90 programs and specializations in career-relevant fields, transfer credits, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, and scholarships for those who qualify. Speak with our dedicated military and veteran advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. 